back to WTM watch this movie I am Eric Mulder so he says wrecked him damn near killed him joining me again is Mr. Positivity what's up hey Brad chicken dippers speaking of chicken dippers (laughs) I feel vindicated by that hack I sent you it's Chick-fil-A the only hack is the person that wrote that article (laughs) That was the only hack involved. I feel vindicated. Uh, apparently, people use the steam hole in the Chick-fil-A boxes to put their straw through. It's not even a steam hole. It's a... I thought you said it was a steam hole. Yeah, but then I went and fucking bought some, and it's <laughs> it's an indicator of what kind of chicken's in there. If it's, nu- <laughs> if it's nuggets or strips or... I forget what the other option was, but... Oh, because you were adamant that it was a steam hole so that they don't get soggy. Well, it said that in the article that you found. Oh, did it? Yeah. I didn't read the whole thing. I just well, saw the picture. <laughs> you just <laughs> saw the picture. It didn't, the article wasn't even too enthused about it. <laughs> They're like, this kind of works, but not really. Probably a waste of your time. Well, now you know I'm not crazy that there is something that a fast food chain makes that you can actually put over your drink, rest it on the lid there. If our listeners <laughs> think that that's what you were talking about. That's I, what I described. I'd like to say it. It goes, the straw goes through it and it sits on the lid. I stand by my, <laughs> I stand by my reaction. That is absurd. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't uh, seen it, go to our Twitter page. It's, it's on there. You might have to retweet it. Oh, it, was, it was retweeted. I think I tweeted at you and then I. Yeah, it's tweeted in general. It's been a while. Well, they can scroll down a page or two. Let's inconvenience our listeners. (laughs) (laughs) I'll send you on a wild goose chase. (laughs) And maybe you can find it. Well, you were the one that was telling people to look for it themselves. I think we both were, but you encouraged it. I'm going to go find it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well. Right now. I'm going to do it right now. Before we start this killer episode on nightcrawler i think we should thank some new friends from across the pond they're very british (laughs) they are very british they don't think they are but they are (laughs) well i think they know they are they think they think i'm exaggerating when i say they're british as fuck but but they definitely are yes they've been uh very nice to us uh gave us a nice review me and wolfie t actually gave them one as well Speaking of which, at PositivelyWolf1 on the tweeters. Yep. Just retweeted Mr. Your, Positivity. Just retweeted your stupid fucking Chick-fil-A hack. <laughs> I did both of them, so. Yeah. Check them out. Let us know what you think. 
It'll probably be about 50 tweets down on my page so <laughs> by the time this comes out. Yeah, wrestling tonight. You'll just pretty be fucking busy. tweeting away. I don't know if I'll watch Raw tonight or not. All right. Well, yeah, getting back to our friends from across the pond, uh, Steve and Mark, uh, they are part of the Movie Drone podcast. That's at Twitter at movie underscore drone. And they run a fantastic show. Uh, I've started listening. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I've listened to the past few episodes. And yeah, it is a lot of fun. Uh, great back and forth. Great audio quality. Uh, they are now one of only two British podcasts I listen to. Uh, there's one more. And then there's actually there's one that has two Americans and one Australian. So that mm. almost counts. <laughs> there's a couple other British ones that I listen to here and there. But. Theirs is maybe the most uh, frequently listened to for me. Another one to listen to is uh, uh, The Hysteria Continues, which is a uh, horror movie podcast. Yeah. There's actually one American on okay. that podcast, but I think three Brits. There's one called Film Trials that's British, too, that I like. Okay. I haven't listened to a ton of theirs, but they got a good uh, concept, too, because they, they take a movie and then... They randomly pick uh, roles for each other, and somebody's got to defend it, and somebody has to prosecute it, mm-hmm. and then there's a judge that determines whether it goes on the hit list or the shit list. I see. So yeah, check out some uh, great podcasts from the UK, yeah. turning out some great content. And, uh, thanks again, Mark and Steve. Uh, yeah, they do recent movies- Older movies, kind of a mixed yeah. bag. Mark does a movie impression every episode. <laughs> it's very gimmicky. They were really <laughs> concerned about their gimmicks. Yeah, they were concerned about it. And how we don't, we have no gimmicks needed over here on WTM. Although, I consider us to have gimmicks. That's what I couldn't figure out. Oh, yeah? I mean, aren't our drops gimmicky? We, <laughs> we do a lot of sound bites. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More so than most podcasts, probably. <laughs> Try not to get too morning radio with it, but... If I was running the board, it would be a lot more, I think. <laughs> yeah, probably. It would be a lot more Norbit, too. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, let's get on with the show. Uh, this is our third episode in our focus on media and culture. We're doing a breakdown of the movie Nightcrawler. From 2014. When I first heard about this movie, I assumed it was a X-Men movie. Oh, yeah. And I made that joke for about six months. <laughs> You're like, you got Jake Gyllenhaal's Nightcrawler. I just knew the name, I think. Rene Russo's Jean Grey. And still, until they started doing uh, previews and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, there's a new movie called Nightcrawler come out. I was like, hey, did you see that new X-Men movie's coming out? It's called Nightcrawler. <laughs> I love running jokes into the ground. <laughs> sure do. The more I do it and the less people laugh, the more I enjoy it. Well, at least you get something out of it. I'm that dude that goes to work on Halloween and tells people that they're, didn't they know it was uh, no costumes allowed in the office and they're just dressed normally? I joke, I joke, I joke. Why you not know joke when you hear joke? Are you also the person on December 31st when you leave work, you tell everyone, see you next year. Yeah, if I'm working on (laughs) December 31st, I usually take that day off. (laughs) See you next year. (laughs) 
That's how oh. I roll. Uh, it's kind of like uh, like I spent a lot of time on the golf course growing up, and you hear a lot of the older crowd golfing. Yeah. The, the joke that is just running to the ground over and over again. You hear it every day out there. Drink cart would come around or something like that. Somebody would say to the other person, "Might need a little aiming fluid." <laughs> God, every fucking day with the aiming fluid joke. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> you know, get a couple of beers in you to loosen you up. I get what they're they're trying to get at, but that's not even a real thing. Aiming fluid. Like I get I get what you mean, but like that's totally nonsensical. Yeah. Man, did that joke get old fast. <laughs> Must have just been in your neighborhood. <laughs> no, I think that's a pretty standard golf Is thing, I don't, at least in the Americas. I don't golf, so. There's probably a different uh, British saying. I messaged with uh, Steve, I think it was Steve, back and forth on uh, Twitter. And uh, there was a couple of things he said. I was like, what the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta, you got to get used to that slang. <laughs> It's like they're talking in a different language. I'm sure, there's things we say that they don't get. Actually, on one of their episodes, they were talking about how they didn't know that we called bangs bangs. Yeah. In the UK, it's fringes or fringies. Yeah. I thought I didn't know that about UK. That's kind of cool. I knew that, but I'm smart. <laughs> fringies. <laughs> Where the hell have you heard fringies before? Well, I knew they called it a fringe. Okay. I knew that. Well, I've seen a lot of Guy Ritchie movies. I haven't heard that. He has a lot of slang in his movies. Mm. Even pikey slang. That might be the problem. <laughs> I guess. All right. <laughs> I think we say things on this podcast that people that we know don't know what we're talking about. Well, half the time it's probably because it's an inside joke from 20 episodes ago or <laughs> two years ago. Or from Norbit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's something you don't even know if you listen to every episode. All right. So Nightcrawler from 2014, directed by Dan Gilroy, starring Jake Gyllenhaal as Louis Bloom, Rene Russo as Nina Romina, Bill Paxton as Joe Loader. Her last name was Romina? Yeah. I didn't know that. Did they say that in the I don't think so. Nina Romina. Riz Ahmed just got one name, Rick. No last name. Uh, There's a couple other very minor characters. Those are kind of the... I guess four main characters of the whole movie. I guess you could say Kevin Rahm was Frank Cruz. He was the, well, Rene Russo was the news director. Oh, he was like the other guy. He was like the kind of her superior, I guess. Yeah. In a way. What about uh, the detective? What's her name? Her name is, says her name's Michael. <laughs> M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Hyatt. Unless they have the wrong picture on the IMDb, because that's her. Let me see. I mean, I would assume it's pronounced Michelle, but I don't want to presume, I guess. But what do you think the name is? Oh, it's spelled Michael Hyatt. Yeah. She's born in England. Of Jamaican parents. Jamaican me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So Kofi Kingston won the WWE title, and he used to be Jamaican. Used to be. What does that mean? <laughs> when he when he first came to the WWE, he was Jamaican, and then after about two or three years, they just kind of dropped it. Mm-hmm. 
Is he actually from Jamaica? No, he's from Ghana. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, just stopped talking with the accent just all of a sudden. Okay. They're just like, he's not Jamaican anymore. <laughs> I see. More fun wrestling facts from Mr. Positivity. Uh, let's go to the storyline here. When Louis Bloom, a con man desperate for work, muscles into the world of L.A. crime journalism, he blurs the line between observer and participant to become the star of his own story. He's a fucking sociopath. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty psycho. Now, uh, why don't you tell me about the first time you saw this movie to now? How your opinion of it has changed. Well, I saw it in the theater. Is it because there was a Charger in the advertisements? Oh, it's a Challenger. Challenger, sorry. Well, the the marketing I thought was a little misleading, right? Because they they cut the trailer together. It was all like car chases and fast-paced action, and they had the fast-paced music on, and it, it seemed like a fucking action movie. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's a slow burner. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was, it's a misplaced expectations with the, the type of movie it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then, like, all the characters are very dislikable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like, there's not a single likable character in this movie. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could say the detectives, but they're barely in it. Well, even them, like, they let them go. Yeah. <laughs> well, know? they had no proof. Yeah, I guess so. But uh so like I had high expectations going in and I didn't quite meet it. I was a little disappointed. I was I thought it was a little underwhelming. Such a rarity f- though for you to actually go to a movie in the theater. Yeah. So I got to I, I got to say it must have been the Challenger you saw in the previews. A little bit. <laughs> But like just overall, the previews make it look like a badass movie. Yeah. Um, watching it a second time, knowing what I was getting into, I liked it a lot better. Yeah. Like, if your expectations are in the right place with this movie, you're gonna like it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you probably saw a 30 second trailer and 20 seconds of it was car chase. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least. Well, I, I think uh, I forget. Cause I thought I think I saw another movie in the theater, and the trailer for this played in front of that oh, too. Okay. Yeah, I'm sure they embellished it but, a little bit. But yeah, and I actually exciting. I, I watched the trailer again uh, a couple weeks ago, and you know it shows a lot of the scenes that happen in the movie, but like it still feels like a much more action type movie mm-hmm. versus more of a dramatic thriller. Yeah, but. Uh, yeah, if you go in expecting it to be more cerebral, more of a slow burn, uh, I think you're in, you can enjoy it a lot more. Yeah, definitely. I guess I can't really remember what my expectations were when it first came out. Uh, I just heard it was really good. I don't think I saw it in the theater. Perhaps I did. But this is the first and only movie I actually bought digitally. can't remember why. I was like, oh, I'll just give it a try because I tend to still enjoy physical media. Yeah. Makes it really hard to share. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and how about, well, sp- speaking of uh, non-physical media, you know, the Ultraviolet company just went under. Oh, did they? 
Yeah, that uh, you, know, you used to get those slips and all the DVDs or Blu-rays. Like, well, you can store this digitally on Ultraviolet's website. You mm. can watch it anytime. And they had a issue a statement. Yeah, you have about a month left to watch that shit because it's going away. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. So all those digital copies that were with Ultraviolet, well, they're fucking worthless now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I tend to not like that stuff because you always need internet connection. Yeah. And well, depending on your speed, sometimes the internet can be slow, and then it's, you know, I just don't trust, I guess, all the buffering to be perfect the entire stream. Yeah, and then if you're relying on streaming services, like, they change their their uh, selections so frequently. Like, you think that, oh, this is all going to be available on something, and then it'll go, like, two or three years where it's nowhere. Yep. Especially some more obscure or less successful movies. Yeah. It's nice when, you know, you have a DVR, mm-hmm. such as yourself, but you still run into the problem of filling it up. Yeah. Like, fuck, I'm trying to get rid of some of this stuff, but I'm sure you <laughs> want to hold on to some of it. And you're like, well, I'll watch this again maybe in a year or half a year. Yeah. And huh. it might not come back. Well, and then, like, there's so many movies every week that I want to watch, and I so I... You know, I end up recording them, or what happens is I fill up my DVR and then I don't have time to watch them, and then I'm constantly pushing out the recording another two weeks just so I can, you know, it's still on my schedule to record, but mm-hmm. it's not recording right now. I have two weeks until I have to make space for it. But yeah, I, I like doing that because I don't always get to all these movies before they come off on demand. Yeah, and then it it's easier to to choose from a selection of like a hundred movies versus five thousand movies when you're mm-hmm. looking for something to watch, because otherwise you just sit there and run through the on demand menu for fucking two hours and it's like I don't try to find something to watch. Yeah, then I don't watch anything. Yeah, keep physical media alive, people, especially when there's great. Uh physical media uh, companies like Shot Factory or Criterion or Arrow. I heard Criterion got their own streaming Yeah, they did. service now. Yep. I'm not exactly sure if they put their full library out there, if they kind of cycle it through, like a like a Disney vault situation. Like, well, <laughs> watch it now. It's going to the vault for another two years. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they have the full... I would uh, kind of assume they want to put everything on there, but I don't know if they're doing it in waves. Yeah. Because you know they still want to sell Blu-rays and DVDs. Mm-hmm. But back to Nightcrawler. Yeah, I'm a big fan of this film. Uh, ever since I first saw it. I mean, I don't think I thought it was going to be an action movie. I just kind of thought it was a thriller. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the more I th- thought about it, over the past year or two, I guess, with the current state of media and our culture, it just kind of made, I guess it was more relevant in my mind, thinking about it again. Yeah, So I thought this sure. would be a good movie for what we're focusing on. This is more of a, I guess, micro-focus on the media because it's a, it's a local TV station. Mm-hmm. It's not the macro that we've been talking about with... Natural Born Killers and I, Tanya, where everything is so national, big national stories, right? Uh, things that they're trying to, you know, push on the public or stuff that the public is just gobbling up mm-hmm. like Skittles. 
It's similar. It's just on a smaller scale. Yep. Uh, much more local, local context. It might be a little. I don't know. Do you know? Do you think it'd be a little? It's a little more relatable since it's kind of a local angle. Kind of. But I I think it's, like I said, it's it's still similar to, what the national news does. Like, yeah. Where they they take footage of an incident, and then they sensationalize it, mm-hmm. and you know they they find the most sensational and over the top story to talk about, and then they they create a narrative around it. Yeah. And local news does it. You know, to some extent, like in this movie, it was he was bringing video for the the early morning news, and then they would kind of run it throughout the morning, and then sometimes you know throughout the day. Whereas with like more national news, like they'll take something like a school shooting, and they'll run it for a week or two weeks or three weeks, and they'll mm-hmm. just create a narrative around it, and it was like you said, on a smaller scale, the same thing that they're doing in this movie with like a home invasion or a shooting in the street or a carjacking. Yep. Yeah, still, I mean, I will say that our local media here in the Twin Cities, it doesn't show nearly as graphic a content that is, <laughs> is depicted in this. No. So, I mean, say give the media a little credit in that I don't think it gets to that extreme at least often. I mean, it's treated as a rarity in the film, yeah. but you could also, I mean, I guess I could see it happening, but I don't know if it really has to that extent. Well, I mean, it, with the home invasion. Yeah. One. Well, like, I, I think it probably happens more in bigger cities like, yeah. like Los Angeles in this movie or New York or maybe Chicago or something like that, where there are more networks fighting for ratings and there's mm-hmm. a big a bigger market um to to kind of go after and you know with a bigger population there's probably more likely to be crime to feature on your news network yeah and so well it might not be as frequent as it's depicted on the news i think there's enough of it where they can you know, run with it, like with the carjacking angle where they said, oh, you know, this is the third one in, you know, two months and it's a crime wave. People need to fear for their lives and shit mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Or, you know, you get one home invasion in a nice neighborhood and they run with it as, you know, for how long they were going to do it where they're going to make people fear for their lives in their home yep. because they're just random people breaking in and shooting you you know rich people mm-hmm. and we'll talk a little more about that uh when we get to that scene we have some five clips today let's just start out at the beginning we meet lewis bloom right away he's trying to break into compound trying to he's like, already stolen some copper wire yeah it's like a scrappy manhole covers yeah, yeah. and the security guard spots him right away who fucking steals manhole covers <laughs> I didn't really sell those. Well, that's why you didn't get a good price on them. Well, just, I mean, I guess metal is metal. Scrap is scrap, right? But still, I guess never even thought about it. Yeah, it's weird that you would even steal mantle covers. And how much is he packing in that back of that geo he has? <laughs> that's what I was thinking. I was like, 
How much fencing can you fit, uh, fit in there? He must have that thing fortified like those minis in the Italian job. <laughs> Carrying nine million in gold up and down the tubes. Oh, man. The original Italian job is much better. I'm sure it is. I just like Marky Mark because like the like those minis. <laughs> I wish I still had mine in some ways. <laughs> you wish you had a mini, but not your mini. <laughs> yeah. It's a new mini that didn't break down constantly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll not, um, we'll not get any deeper into that. <laughs> the lemon that I got. Hey, it was good for about a year. And then things started falling off. <laughs> the scars are still healing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he <laughs> makes pretty quick work of that security guard. Yeah. Little private outfit, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Try to get me one of them jobs. <laughs> He's totally blindsides the dude. Yeah. They don't show what happens to him, but uh, he steals his watch. That's mm-hmm. how you know that the, the security guard has been neutralized. <laughs> yeah. Does he think he killed him or just. I wouldn't put it past him. Yeah. He had no remorse. Mm-hmm. No human feelings. Very what? cold individual. Yeah. And uh, so he goes to sell it in a scrapyard and they're giving him shit prices because they know he stole it. He tries to get a job there and he's kind of like, well, I don't really hire thieves. Fuck face. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll yeah. buy your stuff, but get out. Right. <laughs> I like the one line that he, uh, that he said what he was Ask him for the job. He goes, uh, you know what I always say is, if you want to win the lottery, you have to make the money to buy the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> he has so many sayings. <laughs> he's, I love it when he's applying for jobs or promotions or just to try to get in somewhere in the uh, movie. Yeah. Like I, just, I should start doing that. It would probably improve my job interviews. Well, the thing is, like, he... He has no emotional good connection with anything. So, like, he has no problem just spewing spewing lies Mm -hmm. just he doesn't care yeah but he's yeah he's a good bullshitter for sure Mm -hmm. not good enough to get a job though (laughs) not not even he's all about internships though (laughs) yeah (laughs) oh definitely so then uh as he's driving driving off he comes across an accident and he witnesses bill paxton hopping out of off of the uh out of the twister van and uh, videotaping some, I guess, wreckage, watching the cops pull the victim out of the vehicle. This is uh, one of a couple different scenes that reminds me of Dead and Driving, <laughs> which was an episode we did a, a ways back. <laughs> There's a scene in that movie where there was a car accident and the local news was interviewing one of the crash survivors as he was like, Halfway through his windshield. <laughs> 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 it, is, it is more tongue-in-cheek and, and uh, played for laughs in that movie, but they don't really do that in this one in Nightcrawler, but... Uh, you might as well have. You know, I think I had a new appreciation having seen Dead End Driving <laughs> between viewings of Nightcrawler. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I have a clip here. This is uh, Louis Bloom asking Bill Paxton, what is all this? Excuse me. Will this be on television? Morning news. If it bleeds, it leads. What channel? Whoever pays the most. What do you get for something like this? Not nearly enough. 
enough to buy all that gear. Let me tell you something. It's a flaming asshole of a job. Can I ask you, are you currently hiring? Fuck no. Well, thank you for taking the time to discuss what you do. You've been very helpful. Hey, we got a 211 on Rosecrans. Hurry your ass! If it bleeds, it leads. That's a great line. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you've kind of heard it before that there's no news like bad news. Mm-hmm. It's always the most popular news is bad news. Everything news show you, shows you is bad news usually. And then they'll maybe end with a heartwarming story, possibly. Yeah. They don't lead with a heartwarming story ever. <laughs> no, that's the that's the before we go story. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't hang yourself after the show's over. Here's a you know a squirrel. Yeah. Water skiing. There's one part in the in Nightcrawler where he starts listing off the statistics about. Um, I have that in a clip. You have that clip, okay? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he kind of mentions what portion of the newscast is dedicated to. Like local affairs, like local politics or goings on, and then first is how much is dedicated to covering crime. Yeah, <laughs> and there's a big disparity. Mm-hmm. But this chance encounter plants the seeds. So yep. gonna give her a shot. So he uh, he's like, I need a camera. Well, I need more money to get a camera. So I guess I'll steal a bike. <laughs> He tells the guy he spent what, like ten grand on it? I think it's yeah, eight thousand. It's it's thirty eight speeds. <laughs> thirty six to thirty eight speeds, and the guy's like, No bike has thirty six speeds. <laughs> and he still gives him more money. I, I won the tour of the Mexico with this. <laughs> <laughs> Going lower than two thousand, that's giving it away. <laughs> well then the, finally the pawn shop owners is like, Well, what do you want? This is why you want a camcorder and a police scanner. So I think they just do a straight up swap. Yeah, I think he does. Would you accept like you know eight hundred in store credit? Yeah. And so so he gets the scanner and the uh, camera, which is uh, not the greatest camera <laughs> compared <laughs> to what all the other night crawlers are using. Mm-hmm. Cutthroat business that night crawler business. Yeah, like how many uh, how many shitty calls did he go to before he finally <laughs> got a good one? That's funny because you can only go to certain calls. He went to like a domestic violence call. <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> Officer, what's going on? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Arrest you for obstruction. <laughs> and then they they finally uh, come across a carjacking and a homicide. Yep. And uh, he gets right up in there. Probably because he has a tiny camera and he snuck it behind him because he's so sneaky. He's very it's, stinky. It's a little. It's it's a more frail Jake Gyllenhaal, so he's he's smaller, harder to spot. Yeah, he must have lost about ten twenty pounds for this role. I think that was one of the trivia's actually. I think that's the first trivia on IMDb. Ooh, should I? Look you want to tease a fun fact? Should I? Should I give a give one right now? Sure. Here's a fun fact. Jake Gyllenhaal lost twenty pounds for this role. It was his idea as he visualized Lou as a hungry coyote. <laughs> he is a scavenger. Those coyotes are psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Yep. 20 pound shows. Much more gaunt, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I'd say so. 
Uh, I noticed you used a lot of big words. Nice. Good for you. <laughs> um, so you know we're smart. <laughs> so then he heads to the... Uh, do you think he just picked a random one? Because you, you find out later that the news station he's been he has a relationship with, he has knows everything about the station, the news director. I don't think he knew, knows all that right away. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think he just kind of picked one and just walked in. Yeah. Because he knew they were like the last place network. Yeah, that's why I don't know if he knew that at the time. He knows it later. Well, he's very calculating. Yeah. So... So it would put it past him, but it would make sense that he would pick the lowest rated network because they're most likely to be desperate for footage. Yeah. But they're also more likely to not have as much money as everyone else. True. But his footage is also grainy as shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not grainy as shit, but it doesn't look it's not HD. Yeah. So anyways, I have a uh clip here. This is him uh first meeting Renee Russo talking about this and this is how they kind of sell it so the media wraps it all together I guess what is it it's a shooting a man was shot several times in fact he's laying on the ground he's bleeding on the ground I'd be surprised if he survived honestly he was shot during a carjacking western and first yes that's right okay well we're getting that from Ace I was there I was much closer to what happened <laughs> Okay, okay. Let's see it. Fast forward through this. Keep going, keep going. Walk away or I'll arrest you for a... Get out of here. A, a minute and a half in. Move that camera, you better back up. Are there? I got no pulse Oh, fuck. I need you to see something. Bloom, Frank Cruz, our Simon editor. Play it back. I got no pulse here. That's the lead. I want to break it up and do a wraparound from the scene. I want a walking stand-up, teaser at five, repeat on the half, and I want the copy to start with a warning. You're going to show this? With a warning. It's excessive. We should have packages like this every day. People are eating breakfast. And they'll talk about it at work. Tie it in with the carjacking last month in Glendale and the other one, the van, in Palms. When was that? In March? March, yeah. It's a carjacking crime wave. That's the banner. Call the victim's family, get a quote, Mike, and you know what to do. Yeah. How much? I'm selling this particular piece for 1000 Not even close. This late, you have nowhere else to go. And the quality's for shit. I'll give you two fifty. that's the most I'll do. Well, let's get you paid. Here you go. Buy yourself some better equipment, a directional mic, and get interviews when you can. You have a good eye. Thank you. I'm just beginning, so praise from someone such as yourself, where you can imagine that it means quite a lot. Well, I'll help in any way I can. And of course, you can help me by calling us first. I want you to contact me when you have something. Something like this. That's right. Bloody. Well, that's only part of it. We like crime, and not all crime. Carjacking in Compton, for example. That isn't news now, is it? We find our viewers are more interested in urban crime creeping into the suburbs. What that means is a victim, or victims, preferably well-off, 
and white, injured at the hands of the poor or a minority. Just crime. No, accidents play, cars, buses, trains, planes, fires. A bloody. Well, graphic. The best and clearest way that I can phrase it to you, Lou, to capture the spirit of what we air, is think of our newscast as a screaming woman running down the street with her throat cut. I understand. Yeah, so they're trying to play their demographic there. Um, I noticed at the beginning of the clip, she said Ace had already sold their, them a clip. And I think that's... Uh, We're getting Bill, that from Ace, yeah. Bill Paxson. So it's possible that uh, Lou had heard that and he's like, fuck Ace, I'm going to go... Well, Bill Paxson's name is Joe Loader, but right. it could be his company's for, he name. He probably works for Ace. Yeah. Ace video something. <laughs> I like the line uh, at the end, uh, about uh, they want their news to be a screaming, a screaming woman running down the street with her throat slashed. Yep, about sums it up, pretty much. Urban crime creeping into the suburbs. Yep, and hopefully it's a white person being attacked by a minority. Yeah, it's and easier af- to sell their. Mostly white demographic. An affluent white person mm-hmm. being attacked. There was a carjacking a month ago, and there was another one in this other town, next town over. It's a carjacking crime wave. Yeah. Run for the hills. And they always have those catchy names on their graphics. Mm-hmm. Like carjack crime wave. I forget. I was going to write down some of them during the montage, but I didn't. The home invasion one is Horror House. Yeah. <laughs> so that is his first sale and he watches it the next morning at 6 a.m guys it's funny because uh you know frank's like people are trying to fucking eat breakfast and shit <laughs> <laughs> so surprised this is 6 a.m which is even more surprising that they would show that home invasion at 6 a.m yeah but they're desperate graveyard shift but that's like the first talk about it at work that's the first uh newscast of the day after it happened yep so it's like you're not gonna hold it for the evening news Mm -hmm. gotta get it out there yep well that sale allows lou to hire himself an intern (laughs) 30 bucks uh the 30 bucks a night yeah that was a hard bargain (laughs) yeah i gotta get i gotta get something man (laughs) i need i need like money (laughs) i can't like i have to have money Rick seemed a little slow. Well, he was homeless. Kind of, for, for a short while. He said he didn't have a permanent address. Yeah. And, yeah. I don't know. He wasn't no trick, though. He wasn't tricking. <laughs> well, he, he said he's straight. <laughs> and then Jake Gyllenhaal gave him the statistics on straight men tricking. <laughs> <laughs> he's chock full of information. He's a regular rain man, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty interesting scene because, like, obviously uh, Rick just needed some cash, some fast cash, and Lou didn't know really what he was doing. He just thought what he was going to do what he thought a job interview was. Yeah. You know, you know really sell me <laughs> on you. Sell yourself to me. Tell me why you need this job. He's lucky the guy was desperate. Otherwise, yeah. nobody would fucking work for him. <laughs> Unpaid internship. 
<laughs> right? To just, Navigating in a geo. Yeah. To go film uh, crime scenes and accidents. Yeah. And uh, they struggle for a while, both navigating and just getting there on time in that car. Bill Paxton keeps on beating them to the punch. Yeah. Until they get to that uh, shooting, the burglary at that house. No. This is the second break. I think there was a, I don't want to say there was a shooting in one house, and then it went into the neighbor's house and hit like a kid or something. Or it was like a drive or, or I don't know. But it was like a collateral damage type situation. Yeah. But there was uh he ends up sneaking in Yeah. Well through the front door, literally. <laughs> right. Cause the cops are interviewing the couple in the driveway, which is up the side of the house. The ambulances and emergency vehicles are kind of blocking the front. Yeah. The door's open, so he just walks in and starts videotaping stuff. Yep. And he sees those uh, bullet holes on the fridge. And so he moves the family pictures and whatnot right in between all the bullet holes because he wants to, you know, frame it perfectly. Mm -hmm. And then he gets a glimpse of them being interviewed through the the window. Yeah, with bullet holes in the window. And he gets their name off some junk mail on the counter. (laughs) Yeah. As Nina said, uh, he does have a good eye. Yeah. This is like the probably the first time that he uh really oversteps uh the boundaries of filming and you know just being an observer and then stepping over into unethical territory yeah it's almost it's kind of a big metaphor too for just framing the narrative mm-hmm. since he's framing the shot he's kind of framing the narrative yeah kind of making it seem oh the, look at this the bullet holes right next to this went all around this family yeah, just and then missed it. Just missed it. Uh, he sells that, and then he does the same thing again when he comes across a car accident, and he drags the body of a guy who's on the, um, who came out of an SUV, I believe, and he pulls it yeah. in front of the SUV, more so in his view, so mm-hmm. he can frame it all together. Yeah. Instead he, of you know maybe, you know maybe he doesn't know first aid, but. He's definitely not helping anybody when, ever. Once he gets more experience with it and better equipment, he starts getting there before the police get there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he basically takes advantage of that and, you know, like he said, moves parts of the the scene into whatever fits best with his uh, camera work. Yeah. Then he gets Rick in there as the second angle. Gets a second camera. And Rick is uh, not the best. <laughs> he's or, learning. He's pretty uncomfortable with some of it. Yeah. I mean, he he's fine at providing coverage, I guess. Yeah. As a secondary camera. but Well, he's okay with like navigating and moving the car out of the way, but... As long as you don't rush him. <laughs> don't rush him, dude. Right. <laughs> But he, uh, yeah, he, uh, once he gets out there with the camera, he's he seems kind of shaky. Yep. So the next note I have is the dinner scene, almost halfway through the movie. So I think, uh, let's see, I have between, before that, he, uh, he blackmails Nina into the date. So at the, at the station, mm-hmm. 
he uh, starts talking about how he wants to meet the crew and meet the executives and all that stuff. And he basically threatens to... I think that's when he brings in the horror house footage. I have it right after the, the crash scene. When he brings in that horror house footage, he has a laundry list of demands that need to be met. That's yeah. when he also says, you know, uh, video production news, a uh, professional... Uh, news gathering service. Oh, I forget what he did. Uh, he definitely blackmailed her at the station, though. Yeah, I think he I alludes to maybe taking his business elsewhere, which he does again Something at dinner. Like it, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Joe Loader shows up, offers him a job. He's getting a second van. <laughs> needs a second driver. And uh, Lou's not interested. I'm good. <laughs> Uh, let's Paxton see. is irate. Man, you missed a lot of stuff because, uh, so that dinner scene is only forty-seven minutes in. Oh wait, no, no, no. After he after he offers the job, he is the dinner scene. That's right. Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, I'll play a clip from there. This is part of the dinner uh, between Lou and Nina, and he's got a thing for older ladies and. He wants her, and he's going to get her. <laughs> Soup's weird. Thanks for coming out to talk. The place I'm in now is that I want a relationship with someone I can team up with and share, like we share the same job and hours and whatnot. I could go on a laundry list, but you get the idea. <laughs> yes. Well, I hope you find someone. Here's the thing about that, you know. I'm quite certain I already have. Let me put this politely. I only came out to dinner with you, Lou, purely as a professional courtesy. Thank you. I don't think it's any secret that I've single-handedly raised the unit price of your ratings book. Our ratings book price? <laughs> Whoa! I'm a very fast learner. We had a conversation where I specifically mentioned that. Do you remember that? Well, do you? Yes. I recently learned, for instance, that most Americans watch local news to stay informed. I also learned that the average half hour of Los Angeles television news packs all of its local government coverage, including law enforcement, budget, transportation, education, and immigration, into 22 seconds. <laughs> local crime stories, however, not only usually led the news, but filled 14 times the broadcast, averaging five minutes and seven seconds. KWLA relies heavily on such stories. With Los Angeles crime rates going down, I think that makes items like mine particularly valuable, like rare animals. <laughs> I can only imagine that your needs will increase during next month's rating sweeps period. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we certainly appreciate what you do. There are certain good things about being alone. You have time to do the things you want to do, like study and plan, but you can't have dinners like this or be physical with a person, I mean, outside of flirtationship. Where are you going with this? I want that. With you. 
like you want to keep your job and your health insurance? Look, just for starters, I don't need you to keep my fucking job. You're the news director on the vampire shift of the lowest rated station in Los Angeles. We have what could be considered an almost exclusive relationship. There are many other places I could go. I have to think that you are invested in this transaction. Here you are. Enjoy. Thank you. Where did you get the balls to even suggest something like this? I mean, I can't say I blame him. I mean, Rene Russo, to me, is still looking good. <laughs> well, you were going to go watch The Brave One, weren't you? <laughs> Get the Jodie Foster scene. <laughs> no, I got to tell you though, I used to love Renee Russo, and then she kind of stopped being in movies forever. Yeah, Her sure. '90s resume is pretty impressive. Yeah, what else was she in? A lot of things. Here, I was gonna bring it up because she's had a career resurgence as of late. She's been in her husband's uh, last two films. She's married to the director Dan Gilroy. Well, let's look here. Starting off in 89 with Major League, that was kind of her first big movie. After Major League, it was Mr. Destiny, One Good Cop, Free Jack, Lethal Weapon 3, In the Line of Fire, Major League 2, Outbreak, Get Shorty, Tin Cup, Ransom, Buddy, Lethal Weapon 4, Thomas Crown Affair, and The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle in 2000, where it kind of started to go downhill. Showtime 02, Big Trouble 02, Two for the Money 05, There's Mine and Hours 05, and then nothing again until Thor in 2011. She's in the Thor movies. She was born in 54, mm-hmm. so she would win 60. Yeah. Looks damn good for 60. Maybe 59 in this movie, depending on when they're making it, but looking damn good in her old age. Velvet <laughs> Buzzsaw just came out uh, a couple months ago. Still looks good in there. Good looking older lady. Though I can't condone blackmail. <laughs> <laughs> you also should say something nice about her that doesn't involve her looks. <laughs> She's not an object. Yeah. But yeah, she's been a lot of stuff as of late. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't look all that much into it, but I would guess maybe in the 2000s she maybe had some kids, um, maybe spent some more time with the family. Yeah, I don't know. She was all the rage in the 90s. All the rage. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, let's get back to her um, husband, the director, Dan Gilroy. Like I said, he directed this, and he directed uh, Velvet Buzzsaw, See what else did he do? Oh yeah, the Roman J. Israel Esquire movie. That was 2017. Did you ever see that one? Not yet. Neither have I. I think I. I think that's what I'm scheduled to record this week. <laughs> yeah, and he's kind of a late bloomer because his first film that he directed was Nightcrawler. And he is. He was he's born, born in '59. Yep. So he's a little younger than Rene Russo, but not by much. And he comes from a, his family tree is chock full of, I guess, film talent. 
So he has a couple brothers that also are in the film business. So there's Tony Gilroy, who is a producer on this film. He wrote Michael Clayton, wrote Rogue One, Star Wars Story, uh, Duplicity. So it looks like mostly screenplay credits. Born Legacy, State of Play, uh, pretty much all the Born movies he did the screenplay for. Yep. Uh, so, so you got an adaptation uh, credit for Armageddon, <laughs> Devil's Advocate. A lot of movies. Then let's look at, there's another Gilroy. I think it's editor, right? Yeah. Yeah, John Gilroy, who edited Rogue One, A Star Wars Story, this film, Pacific Rim, Warrior. Warrior's a great film. Velvet Buzzsaw, Roma J. Israel Esquire, Suicide Squad. I like that one. You are one of the few. <laughs> I don't understand why people don't like it. <laughs> that Norbit. I bet you he probably edited <laughs> fucking Norbit too. Yeah, I doubt it. Uh, Michael Clayton, Salt, Miracle, a little Minnesota connection. Oh, you betcha, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Narc. Again. That's Miracle. That's her yeah. Brooks. Again. 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 So, yeah, the Gilroys are just taking over Hollywood. Got a lot of pull with that family. I don't know if I'd say taking over, but. Well, they're working with Disney? That's true. Working in the Star Wars universe. They're Rene Russo working in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Thor movies. They're just in all the big shit these days. Born movies? Well, then again, these days you sneeze in Hollywood and you end up in a major franchise. <laughs> yeah. That's a good point. Just kind of oops your way into it. <laughs> so Lou, uh, you know, starts, uh, he blackmails Nina saying that, you know, you need my stuff and blah, blah, blah. And uh, after that, Joe Loader's vans keep beating him to the scene. Damn it. And he can't. He's got two vans. He can't handle it. Lou can't handle it. He keeps getting aced out. He shows up late. He misses the shot. Mm-hmm. And he freaks the fuck out. <laughs> and then he goes and he tampers with one of the vans. Yeah, I missed that part as I was writing some notes down. Yeah, it was right after he uh, starts smashing the mirror. I'm guessing he, uh, maybe not necessarily cut the brake line, but maybe frayed it. He did something, because he, uh, there's just a quick scene of him crawling out from underneath the van. Crawling out. Nightcrawler? Get it? Ooh. Yeah, there it goes. There it is. He is a <laughs> real worm of a person. <laughs> it works on so many levels. Yep. I get it. He's a worm. And then one of the next crime scenes or accident scenes that they they go to is uh, Joe's van wrapped around a pole. Mm-hmm. And Joe clinging on to your life. And Lou is just getting shots. Yep. Being loaded into the ambulance gives him a look of pure fear. <laughs> With no regard for human life. Yep. Like Kevin Harlan always said when somebody threw down a big slam dunk. <laughs> yep. Uh Rick is protesting a little bit, saying he can't do this. He's one of us, man. Don't videotape him. Not anymore. 
Rick's got too many human feelings for Lou. Yep. And it'll come back to bite him later in the movie. Mm-hmm. That's also uh, around the same time that there was another scene in the news station where uh, it might have actually be when he brings in the horror footage and he's listing all his demands. Yeah. And he also talks about how um, he doesn't want to ask again when they're doing things in the bedroom. <laughs> right? <laughs> So like to ask things a second time. Uh, yeah. So you can tell by then that they're he just kinda sleeping s- together. He just kind of slips that in there. And it seems like it's uh, not a good relationship. No. <laughs> no, not at all. Seems like she feels pretty damn trapped um, wanting to keep her job and the health insurance, I guess. Yeah, I, I suppose. I wonder if she keeps getting a job if she never lasts longer than two years at any news station and she's literally at the worst one right now. I don't know, because they... Uh, she started off at a really good one, and she just keeps on going to shittier and shittier ones. Well, she probably goes around the country, you know, goes to different cities. I'm sure having two years of L.A. experience. Well, then again, the you know, he says, oh, your contract is probably only for two years. So if that's the case, if she's only getting two year contracts, you can frame it as, you know, I didn't get fired. I chose to leave or we, yeah, we mutually decided not to renew the contract, you know, things like that. So, yeah, I think we're about to the part now of the horror house. Yeah. You know, by this time they've gotten really good at the police uh, codes. Cause that was the main problem starting out for <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal is they didn't know what the fucking codes meant. So he's showing up to every, Police call. Every fucking call. (laughs) Yeah. So he has Rick learn all the codes. By now, they're really running smooth with the Challenger. Mm -hmm. Um, Navigation, everything. Still a few hiccups here and there, because they disagree on different routes that they should take all the time. Right. Oh, this is also about the time I think he gets a raise, or does he get a raise right after? It's after, because it's when they're waiting to to follow the, the perp. It's after the the shot, you okay, know, and yep. he, he mm-hmm. goes looks the guy up. But yeah, so they get this home invasion call and they pull up, and uh, it's in progress. Yeah, Rick's waiting with the car, and Lou goes out there by himself, and the murderers are still in the house. You can hear gunshots. He hides in the bushes. Video tapes them come out, get into their SUV, yep, and drive off. And he has. You can see their faces, at least one of them very well. Gets the license plate. Mm-hmm. And then he goes inside the house and videos all three dead bodies in there. And he touches everything. Yeah, it seems like he moved the first woman slightly, although I didn't really see what he did with her. But even when he was... Well, I don't know if he necessarily moved the bodies, but like just like touching the walls and the handrail on the stairs. Yeah. And it's like... Dude, you're getting a lot of fingerprints in that. Yeah, he's really contaminating that crime scene. <laughs> he books it out of there around the same time the cops finally show up. So they take off, and he heads down to the station because it's it sweeps. Yeah. And the story he brought the day before was shitty. Mm-hmm. Rene Russo was pretty pissed off. Well, he missed the plane crash. Yeah. That was one of the things that led to the big breakdown. But... Mm-hmm. uh yeah, he wants $15,000. Well, 
Well, first he started off at a hundred. <laughs> That's right. That's hundred thousand dollars negotiated though, <laughs> and fifty, and then. Then he threw in one other one. I forget what the scene that he threw in was, but uh, he's like, "I'll just give you that one too." And I'll give you another. Yeah. Oh, was it the Bill Paxton one? Yeah, I, I think, think so. that might have been it. Yeah, which he says would lead on any normal day. Mm-hmm. And I think he gets it for what ten thousand, and all the demands that he has. I think fifteen thousand. Fifteen. Yeah. Yeah, and he says, because he goes, uh, when I say that's my final offer, that's my final offer. That was one of his things where he's like, mm-hmm. don't keep fucking with me after I say that's the lowest I'll go, because I'll take it somewhere else. Yep. But all right, I have a clip here. Um, this is the when they get all the footage and they okay it. I mean, Frank really doesn't want to. Yeah, they get their attorney in there to ask... uh, What's legal and what's not. What's the uh, legal ramifications of showing it. And I don't know how much of the clip you have, but they have uh, moral... Somebody suggests, like, uh, you know, they they say, is this okay to show? And somebody goes, morally? Like, no, you idiot. Legally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think Frank says something about so much for journalistic integrity mm-hmm. and she's like it's it's about ratings yeah we're not journalists we're tv show mm-hmm. uh so yeah here's the clip kind of goes into the process of how renee russo and everyone behind the scenes i guess uh frame the story as they're saying it live on air mike is all cute hello everybody this is kwla with breaking news over the last half hour or so We've now received word of an apparent home invasion triple homicide in the Granada Hills area of the San Fernando Valley. Now, at present, number of those dead has not been confirmed yet by the police, but KWLA has obtained exclusive footage from inside the crime scene in which at least three bodies can be observed. Now, we're going to show you segments of that footage throughout the rest of this broadcast, of course, but also throughout the day. Ben, at least I have a tape. When you're ready, just throw it to it. I'll follow information you. Coming from them. Again, we're about to show you exclusive KWLA video from inside the actual crime. It's graphic, yes, repeated. Before broadcasting this video, we want to warn yeah. our viewers that these are extremely graphic images. And I'm hearing from our control room that we have that video, and we're going to show it now. All right, well, let's roll it now. This is footage that we've obtained exclusively by KWLA from Video Production News. This is a professional news gathering service, and this is what appears to be a shotgun, something you might use for home defense. You can see the pistol grips on the front and the back there, quite possibly the murder weapon. And now Lisa, as we move inside, this is a a beautiful home. A beautiful home in a very safe neighborhood, or what most people think is a safe neighborhood. And it appears that that is the the first body. Uh, A young woman, I'm guessing from this angle, a young woman on a a sofa there. All of the faces, though, have been blurred out. We want to assure you. They've escaped, they're on the loose. That is the first of what we understand are three bodies in the home in Granada Hills. And this was committed by a suspect or suspects who are still out there. They are believed to have escaped. And if you think about that, that is a very frightening thought. Repeat that. Yes, scary and very concerning, particularly given what we're looking at here, the savagery of what the... These pictures show, and, and now they're on the floor. Lisa, I'm guessing, what is that, a, a bloodied article of clothing? What would it looks you like think a, a silk shirt, Take it. maybe a woman's silk blouse. Well, it's just so sad now as we move Stand by into one two. of the bedrooms now. There, obviously, there is the, the second body. 
they've escaped repeatedly. Who committed all of this brutal home invasion robbery? They're presently unidentified and at large, still on the streets there. Hit it again harder. Agree. This has got to be a huge worry, not only to the residents in this neighborhood, Granada Hills area as well. All of Los Angeles, if you think about it. Yeah, the entire Southland, really, tonight, absolutely. Hit it again harder. Graphic images. They go on to, uh, as the camera moves upstairs, there's the shot in the uh, nursery. Uh, yeah. you know, she's like, build it, build it, build it. And, you know, we're all just praying that there's not a, a baby in, in that crib. Of course, there isn't, but you, know, you got to build it, build it, build it. You got to mm-hmm. get more. You got to pull all the emotion out of the viewers. Yep. The suspects are on the loose. Repeat it again because they have, they have them repeated again that the suspects are on the loose. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I don't want to try and take a shit on all local news because there's plenty around here in the Twin Cities area. They're pretty respectable. There's some that I like. Yeah. I don't really watch it too often. I mostly go to some of their websites to maybe look at weather, mm-hmm. maybe some other local stories and articles and things like that. But for the most part, I don't even I don't watch news at nine or ten or six. I don't nothing like that. I don't I'll watch the news in the morning when I'm getting it ready for work. But it's mostly for like weather and traffic. Yeah. But I think the local news around here is fairly, um, like even with their coverage. Like they're not. I I I don't think they're as extreme as this as far as yeah pushing narratives. They're more neutral with their stories mm-hmm. versus trying to push a narrative. Yeah, there's still certain things that they'll show and. Of course, the first thing they'll say is, "We're going to remind our viewers that this is very graphic." So, if you know, if you have children in the room, yeah. that type of thing. So they do show similar types of video, and I guess it's a question you can ask yourself if that's, I guess, morally right or not, or right. ethically right. I think the last one that I can remember them showing that was more prominent as far as, you know viewer discretion advice or something like that was the Flandel Castile shooting when they finally yep. got that that video out. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's an example of a video of a shooting that they actually show, although, of course, every national media outlet in the country was showing it. Right. So it's not like they're, you know, and with worse. That, with that, too, the, um, the local news here showed a, like, a longer cut of it. Mm-hmm. Or it was it was cut differently than what the national news showed, whereas um, the national news cut it in a way where I think it showed the the police in a in a worse light than maybe the longer cut of it showed it. Not that they, you know, one way or the other, locally the way they cut it, I don't think they really took a side with it. They're like I said, more neutral with it, but. The national news definitely had a different edit of that video yeah. that definitely fed a, a very specific narrative, whereas you got a better look at it on the local news where you could make up your own mind. It was, it was more left up to the viewer to interpret it. I remember seeing uh, when uh, Trevor Noah talked about on The Daily Show, I remember how the cut he showed was much more truncated and much different than other cuts. Yeah, that people have seen. Um, but I mean, I don't really want to get into 
who was right or wrong there. Obviously, uh, I don't, I'm in a personal belief that the cop kind of fucked up there. Not kind of, but fucked up. You know, maybe uh, I wouldn't yeah. want to say honest mistake or, you know, those type of split-second decisions, mistakes can be made. Yeah, you, we don't have to get into, like, which who you thought was right or wrong. Mm-hmm. But the point is the local news here gave a more balanced look at it, you yeah. know. They did do the full video. They They did more of a, you know, here's all the facts. You decide, you know, you make up your own mind. They weren't trying to push it one way or the other. Whereas yeah. the the national news definitely had more of a lean to it, the way they were showing it. Yeah, especially because, you know, all their nightly shows on national news, they're all pundits. They're all personalities. They're either yeah. left or right, you know. You go on CNN and they're all Anderson Cooper and Don Lemon and they're all, you know, pretty liberal. And you go on Fox News and I guess I don't know what they're – lineup is every night is yeah. tucker carlson every night or sean hannity every night i don't I think they are i mean they're very right wing but i don't know if they're on i'm guessing they're on every night i think they have the same lineup every night but i'm sure you'd get two different viewpoints of that video specifically if mm-hmm. you watch both networks yeah but uh, and you might get different cuts depending on if you watch it on fox news versus cnn or mm-hmm. msnbc and you know it's the same video, but you know, they, one's longer. They, they make it look, you know, the way that, you, that you, they want you to see it. Or yeah, they give you their opinion, which is, or versus, uh, I guess local news around here. I don't get too many opinions. Yeah, I, I think they're they're much more informational, a lot, a much more uh, straight down the middle mm-hmm. uh, versus the the national news, and that's one of the reasons why I said earlier, like this movie is like a, a microcosm of the news industry, but it's more like what the national news does with their, you know, stories and video uh, footage of how they frame it to tell a, a specific narrative mm-hmm. and how to push a, a specific story with the video, whether it's, you know, accurate or not. Yep. Um, so... Blue obviously withholds part of the evidence, the video. Yeah, he edited it down just to the parts or the parts where he's walking into the house. Yep, and walking through the house, and even I think he cut some of the parts out of himself walking through the house. Well, he does that, but he does have the raw video, right? At least he says he has raw video that he gives to the cops. Then he made a copy of it. So I'm sure that video is maybe might still have some cuts, but it'll be longer than what he gave the news station. Right, because he told the cops that he didn't see the the perpetrators. Yeah, but he definitely did. He definitely has that video. Mm-hmm. Well, they yeah. asked him. They asked him for the video, and he says, uh, "Do I have to?" <laughs> He's like, oh, "I'm just kidding. I I thought you'd ask for it. I, <laughs> I already made a copy." <laughs> uh, so he bides his time. He uh, figures out the license plate. Or the owner of the license plate. Yeah. And basically just kind of stakes him out from then on. And that's where Rick negotiates his... Uh, Rick gets promoted to executive vice president of <laughs> video production news. And then he... Is there a raise? He negotiates his raise <laughs> to uh, $75 per night. Yep. Which Lou 
Well, he starts at 100, and then without even a response from Louis, he lowers it to 75. (laughs) (laughs) And Lou accepts immediately, and Rick knows you fucked up. Yeah. He's like, I could have got more. Could I have? I wonder how much he could have gotten. I don't know. But later he, uh, so there's like a $50,000 reward that Lou was talking about, and then uh, Rick asked for half of it. But, uh, you know, that would not be his best call because Lou made him do some stuff that he wasn't really comfortable with. Yep. And then it turned out pretty bad for him. Yeah. Rick is kind of the audience surrogate for this film. He's the one semi-voice of reason. Um, He still ends up kind of agreeing to do certain things Yeah. um, for money, but also under the... the veiled threats of Lou as well. Mm-hmm. It'd be in his best interest. Like the one scene <laughs> he that threatens I, to what, beat the hell out of him. One scene that I really remember was he was putting gas in his car and Lou says, you got gasoline on my paint job. That's going to rust. You don't ever do that again or you're fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ. Uh, After he tells him, no, you have been approving. But, <laughs> yeah, he gives him a compliment sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, he does, later he threatens him with physical violence because mm-hmm. he was going to, he's going to bail on him. I was like, Rick looks like, like he's fit. He's definitely more swole than fucking Gyllenhaal in this movie. I was like, why is everyone so afraid of Gyllenhaal? Just kick the shit out of him. I don't know. <laughs> I, th- I think it's just because he's so... Like robotic, yeah. I think that's part of it. I mean, but, he's the type of guy that would come up behind you and maybe knife you in the back or something like that. <laughs> so you got to be afraid of that aspect. But just one on one, if you both know you're going to fight, I got to think that Rick could take him. Although he took out that security guard. Yeah, but that was a surprise attack. He didn't know he was about to fight him. True. True. You never saw the night of, did you? Because yep. uh, the actor that plays Rick is Riz the, Ahmed. Yeah, he's the the main character in that miniseries on HBO. So in that movie, he gets accused of murdering a, a woman that he had just met and had a one-night stand with. And they're holding him while he waits for trial in um, it's that prison in New York, the, the famous one. I can't think of what it's called. San Quentin? No, that's in L.A. No. But anyways, he's in this this big-ass prison, and he's, like, in general population waiting for his trial. Mm -hmm. And he takes to prison life pretty fucking quickly. (laughs) (laughs) He's, like, he gets jacked, and he starts getting prison tattoos and smoking Mm -hmm. meth. I was like, what the fuck? (laughs) You've been in there not very long. So... Rick could build himself up pretty quickly, I think. Building up. Another connection to uh, <laughs> dead end driving. <laughs> That's become one of my favorite lines of all time. <laughs> Building up. Building up. It's just a throwaway line. <laughs> so they negotiate. Uh, they start following the SUV around. So yeah. the, the one guy picks up the other assailant mm-hmm. or murderer. And they end up driving to a restaurant. The Chinatown Express. Yeah. At which point, Jillian Hall directs Rick to go get a second angle while he calls the uh, 911 operator. Yep. 
And it's like, oh, God, is this the most suspicious thing ever? You know, the, co- <laughs> the cops know he did it, too, but there's not, there's no proof. Well, and he, uh, he gives them his name, too, when he calls in the, yep. the police. I guess that's to get the reward, but... And then he's just sitting there with his camera, just coincidentally. Do you think that first set of cops was responding to the call, or they just happened to be going to get some Chinatown Express? I think they were responding to the call, and the backup was just, just behind them. Because they, they went in, and they, they went like to the counter... I thought they were just kind of scoping out the restaurant. I didn't think they wanted to bust in with guns drawn. Yeah. Like they were trying to keep the situation calm. But it was kind of weird that they went straight to the counter instead of, I don't know if they're trying to get a lay of the the land. Yeah. It's possible that they were on break because you would think they would have heard the call over the radio, but maybe if they're on break, they turn off the radio. Yeah, I don't think know. they'd still hear it. It was just weird to me how they, they went in kind of nonchalant and didn't really go after the guys that they're there for yeah but uh that shit breaks down pretty quick yeah a firefight ensues it was a firefight <laughs> <laughs> that's what i was thinking too when i said firefight <laughs> they kill a bunch of the cops one of them goes down the other guy i think got shot but he still makes it to his suv Yep. And then the chase is on. And this is about 80% of the, of the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which that chase scene was pretty sick, though. Yeah. A lot of great angles. Great stunt work. Close calls. I mean, Jill Hall is a fantastic driver. <laughs> yeah. Or Lou Bloom. Lou Bloom is a fantastic driver. He's all, he had all that practice with that shitty Geo. <laughs> so when he has a nice challenger, he can just do whatever the fuck he wants. I mean, it's sport-tuned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it ends with uh, multiple cop cars wrecked, and the SUV gets flipped. And uh, Lou calls over uh, Rick to get a shot of the, the perpetrator upside mm-hmm. down in his SUV. And as soon as Rick goes over there to get shot, he gets to get, uh, as soon as he goes, goes over to get the shot, he gets shot mm-hmm. like six times. I'm still slightly surprised that the guy shot him. Yeah. Cause it's like, you see the, he sees a, maybe he just sees the flashlight, but you would think he could see that it's a, a camera person. And like, what's the point of shooting somebody who's literally taping you right now? Why? And then he doesn't shoot. He doesn't even shoot at Lewis Bloom. Yeah, I don't know if he... The cops kind of get there at the same time as well, so he kind of starts to run, and then he is quickly shot and killed by the cops. You don't really see what Lou sees, right? Because Lou is like... You you assume the guy's dead, right? Because that's what Lou says. So I'm thinking that he was probably not loopy. Right, and Could then been. and then yeah. Lou saw him coming too, and he's like, "Rick, come get this." Mm-hmm. And then, uh, I guess I would guess that the guy was just trying to shoot his way out, and you know, get get away as any way that he could. Yeah, I could believe that. Plausible enough. And then Lou's got to go film Rick dying, and then scold him for taking away his negotiating power. <laughs> yeah. Put me in a bad place, Rick. 
Because you have to edit that audio out. <laughs> <laughs> He'd have to edit that out pretty quickly before he turns it over to the cops. Well, he uh, he brought it back to the... Did he bring it back to the uh, the station first, or did he go to the interrogation room from there? Uh, station, I believe. The whorehouse thing, uh, police books, people had called and were complaining about, can't show this video yet, that type of thing. Yeah. But the I think the detectives actually come to the station. And That's right. And the detective's bitching with Renee Russo. And she says, if you don't have a court order, we're going with this in, what, like four minutes or something like that. Yeah. Well, and then they find out that the the home invasion was a, a drug robbery. Yep. I actually got a clip from that right here. It's the uh, last clip. This is between Frank and uh, Nina. Camera one, stay centered up. Camera two, we'll do a zoom out when we come out. Joel's got a source on the task force who says they found drugs at the Granada Hills house. Cocaine and wrapped packages hidden in crawl spaces over 50 pounds, and he confirmed it with an investigator at the scene. It wasn't a home invasion. It was a drug robbery. Give it to the noon crew. This is news. It detracts from the story. It is the story. The story is urban crime creeping into the suburbs. That's the story. Jesus, you sound like Lou. Ten seconds to back. I think Lou is inspiring all of us to reach a little higher. So Nina's finally turned the corner. Seems like she's all about Lou now. Yeah. After he came with this uh, incredible footage. I don't know how you just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Well, then uh, he lies to the police again. Yeah. She's a stone cold liar. But they have no proof to hold him. Mm -hmm. He's there voluntarily. And then the the last shot is uh, he's got what two new vans, mm-hmm. he's got four new interns, four interns. <laughs> I like this. Uh, he says, uh, "I will never ask you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself," which is like Vince McMahon's motto. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know how many times I've heard wrestlers say that about Vince McMahon. Mm-hmm. Never ask you to do anything I wouldn't do myself. <laughs> Getting back to uh, that last clip, you know, Nina isn't interested in the drugs aspect. Yeah. And that is the story. He goes, no, she goes, no, it's not. You know, it's how they're, they're framing the narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative. And yeah, as we but, said, you know, the local news around here is light years better than the news station depicted in this film. However, there are s- similar stories like that where it's, you know, this is, there's a, been a string of robberies in this mm-hmm. in this area, and sometimes there are just a string of robberies in that area, but right. sometimes they sell like a little more than that. Or they'll do special investigative pieces. A, a certain news station will have uh, find out at, at six. You know, if your children is threatened by mold at school, it's yeah. like they'll find one school with like a little mold somewhere, and then it's like every school has fucking mold. Mm-hmm. You know. Something like that. It'll be a special investigative or special interest story that's probably a little more, like they're selling a little more than they need to. Yeah. Trying to make it bigger than it really is. Well, there was one uh, maybe a year or so ago here where one of the local stations did an investigation and they found that a uh, uh, daycare run by some Somali immigrants was taking government aid they're lying about the number of kids they're watching and they were taking government aid and sending it back to somalia 
and some of it like got in the hands of terrorists. Mm-hmm. Well, and then like six months later, they said, "Oh, we didn't say they're funding terrorism in Somali, Somalia." They, that's not what he said. I was like, "Yeah, that's what you fucking said." <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, they were like going back and and claiming that it was misinterpreted, um, and that they were, yeah, they were maybe taking some money and sending it back home, but it was to like relatives, yeah, you know, or you know, it, it was only like a small portion that may have ended up in, you know, the hands of some bad guys. What I remember reading was that if the money ever did get into any of the quote unquote terrorist hands, it was because of the warlords that kind of run the, I guess the, it was like stolen. Well, yeah. Like the money, uh, what do you call them? Like Like the the money grams around Somalia. I don't know. We call the money grams there. The, like the Western union. Yeah. The Western union type stores there are probably run in neighborhoods where it's kind of a mob type mentality where you got to pay, you got to pay or you die type of deal. Right. That's, that's a bit dumbed down, but basically it would have been stolen from the families by these warlords or criminals, which and that's how money could have gone to terrorists. Right. So like the, the follow up, like six months later, that's what they said, but that's not what was said or implied during <laughs> yeah. the original story. Yeah. It was like millions of dollars is leaving the Minneapolis St. Paul national airport every year. And it's, yeah, Partly going to terrorists. <laughs> what? <laughs> right. It's like suitcases full of cash or briefcases full of cash. It's yeah. Like, oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and it, it got some tread uh, nationally. Um, it was kind of used as a, a political um, football talking point, <laughs> you know. So uh, when they came back and they said, oh, you misunderstood our report, you know. Yeah. Like, that happened. Like, I could see that happening in, like, Nightcrawler, you know. Yeah, so then you get certain people that are assuming every Somali daycare is, like, funding terrorism or stealing money from the government, you yeah. know, that type of thing. Or, yeah, and, and this move, tying it back to the movie, like, you said there was a string of break-ins and shit, and now it's, they had, a, uh, you know, hundreds of pounds of cocaine, and I don't have hundreds of pounds of cocaine. It's so only I, 50 pounds, okay? <laughs> is that what it was, 50? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I did. they did have a tie-in or a, a callback to earlier in the uh, movie because she did say the story is uh, urban crime creeping into the suburbs. Yep. It's not drugs. Yep, most definitely. Uh, so yeah, we got to the end of the movie. Um, it just shows those two vans leaving in different directions, yep. combing the city for crime and accidents. And, um, if you want to get into fun facts, I actually have a fun fact about that shot. Unless you have something else you wanted to add. No. I guess we ahead. should probably, you know, make sure to point out that, you know, we as a culture consume this stuff. We're the ones asking for it because we keep on turning on the television, watching whatever they're talking about. I mean, it's all about ratings. Yep. Right? That's the whole ratings point. Ratings book increase. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the whole point is people are watching. They're tuning in. They're changing the channel to yep. KWLA to see what happened with that horror house. Mm-hmm. There's two ways you can vote in media, with your dollars and your viewership. Yep. 
You spend your money on what movies you like or want to support. Mm-hmm. Same thing with watching TV. Now, obviously, not everyone has a Nielsen tracker on their cable box, but on-demand numbers are always counted. Yeah. Now, not a whole lot of news is always on-demand, but some of it is. I think they can track DVR watches, too. Okay. Because I know every time you watch something on the DVR, it says you get to the end and you you back out to it. It's a, it marks it as watched. Okay. All right. Hey, everybody. Here's some fun facts. So in talking about Nightcrawler, the director, Dan Gilroy, stated that he views Lou's insane drive as an infection that spreads to each character Lou interacts with throughout the film. At the closing of the film, where Lou's company vans are parting ways down different streets, uh, as Gilroy describes, uh, the infection spreading through the veins of the city. So it makes a little more sense. I see to, that. To kind of forking off the different parts of the city. Why don't you fork off? Get it? <laughs> yes. Uh, during the scene where Jake Gyllenhaal screams at himself in the mirror... Hall got so into this improvised scene that the mirror broke, cutting his hand. Mm. He was driven to the hospital by the director after a 19-hour day of working <laughs> and got 46 stitches in, uh, it says in and four-hour-long operation, Damn. Uh, returning to the set six hours after being discharged. This is the reason why John Hall had his hand behind his back in the scene where he tells the scrapyard owner his motto. Hmm. So they must have seen, they must have shot that one towards the end. Yeah. Or they're out of order. Here's a fun fact. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal did most of his own driving scenes, including the climactic car chase at the end. He's a good driver. Yeah. Uh, Jake you, were, G- you were right. He said Jake Gyllenhaal's <laughs> a good driver. <laughs> You you did call him a rain man earlier. I'm a good driver. <laughs> uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character blinks very rarely. Uh, used this method in his work before with his role as the title character Donnie Darko, as well as in Prisoners. Prisoners is one of my favorite movies of the of the teens. It's a great movie. Here's a fun fact. So this one's just for you, Brett. I'm sure you already know this, but. I'll just say it anyways for the listeners at home. The red car Jake Gyllenhaal drives in the second half of the film is a 2014 Dodge Challenger SRT8. He starts off driving a Toyota Tercel. I kept on saying Geo. You kept bet. thinking it was a Geo? Toyota That's right. Tercel. It did look like a little Metro hatchback, basically. <laughs> Here's another fun fact. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and Riz Ahmed rode along with actual nightcrawlers in Los Angeles to prepare for their roles. I wonder how many there are, like, in different cities. Even thinking about, like, the Twin Cities. You never think about it. Like, yeah. where are they getting this video from? <laughs> yeah. Although, nowadays, it's more, you just assume that they got it off Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. Because that's usually where they get it from. Yeah. But... Facebook Live. Yeah, you never really think of uh, these nightcrawlers going around and getting footage and selling it to, to news stations. So the creators of this film consulted uh, with an L.A.-based stringer organization called RMG News, owned and operated by Howard, Austin, and Mark uh, Raishbrook. 
who also feature Netflix's original series, Shot in the Dark, 2017. Uh, two of the brothers appear very briefly as extras in the film after Lou arrives late to a fire. So hmm. apparently there's a, a Shot in the Dark uh, s- series on Netflix is about nightcrawlers. Okay. Uh, the filmmakers made a point of not having Lou Bloom undergo a character arc because they felt he would have become a certain type of person and stayed that way as an adult. That was also why the initial scene it has Lou assaulting and robbing a security guard. It was important that the audience not feel Lou became or became a worse person because of his work as a nightcrawler, but instead recognized he was malevolent from the start. Good job. <laughs> this one is specifically for you, Brett. When Lou and Rick are in the car listening to the police scanner for the first time, Dispatch requests a code three, you know, lights and sirens, at six and rampart. Rick suggests they respond to that, and Lou laughs back, We want victims, not the kind that live on sixth and rampart. This is a reference to the 1976 black comedy film Car Wash, starring oh. Richard Pryor, filmed in an actual car wash located on the corner of Rampart and Sixth Street in LA. It's funny that they say Richard Pryor is stars in that movie because he's in there for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Does George Carlin run the car wash there? I forget. Who? No, he's like a homeless dude. Okay. He's Who like, runs the car wash? Um, I forget what the actor is. It's a, it's a larger white guy. Okay. Dom DeLuise? <laughs> no, I think he's Jewish. <laughs> Director Dan Gilroy on the impetus for the film. I think to some degree it's certainly an indictment of local television news, but I'd like to cast a wider net in the sense that all of us really watch these images. I would hope that maybe a viewer would take it further and maybe go, why do I watch these images and how many of these images do I want to put into my own spirit? Yeah, so despite receiving nominations for Best Actor at the Golden Globes, BAFTAs, SAG, Critics' Choice, Independent Spirit, even the Saturn Awards, Drake Gyllenhaal failed to receive an Academy Award nomination. Uh, critics, audiences, major film groups, and publications c- considered this a major snub at the time, as did I. I thought Gyllenhaal was terrific in here. He's pretty much always good, except for Southpaw. <laughs> well, he's fine in there, but Southpaw's just... A, Kind of a train wreck of a movie. Did you see Jarhead? No, I never did, actually. I'm a big Sam Mendes guy, but still never seen it. I just heard it's very mediocre. It is. Yeah. Heard there's some masturbation scenes. That's about it. Heard it's, masturbation, mediocre. That's all it is. There's a lot of, there's a lot of gay undertones. Mm. You see his ass in it. Ooh. So, for everybody who wants to see it, Jake Gyllenhaal's bare ass. Is it as hot as your mic right now? Got a hot mic, I think. I don't, I don't know what's fine. going on with this. It was fine for the whole show. Yeah. Oh, we're almost done. I think I ran into your trivia facts. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's about it for fun facts, I think. All right, well, uh, hopefully uh, we'll be able to do Anchorman 2 next week and wrap it up. The more lighthearted take on the media and culture. Until next time, why don't you go ahead and do us a favor? Give us a rate and review. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, you know, Apple Podcasts, 
most podcast apps. We're on there. Search for yeah. us. Check us out on Twitter. Yep, at watch this underscore movie or Mr. Positivity at Positively Wolf One. Uh, you can email us at watch this movie at yahoo.com and check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. We will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right, check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man, you off my case.